I've lost friends from this this virus. I've seen the worst of this virus. I have friends that work in hospitals, you know, at the middle in the middle of the worst moments in New York. Hello and welcome to the interview. I'm Ada McLaughlin, the editor-in-chief of Mediaite. My guest this week is Sean Hannity. Fox News is ringing in 25 years on the air this week, which makes Sean, who has been at the network since its founding, the longest-running current cable news host. Sean ascended to the top of the cable news ratings pile after two decades at the network. 2020 marked his fourth year as the most-watched host in all of cable news. That year, his show also averaged the highest ratings in cable news history. I called up Sean this week to talk about his 25 years on the air, and we went in-depth on a number of topics, including Fox News and his relationship with Donald Trump. It definitely got contentious at times, but the conversation was wide-ranging. We discussed the COVID pandemic, Fox News and vaccine misinformation, the 2020 election, and the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Sean, thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing? Aiden, great to uh, talk to you again. It's been a while. Uh, hope you're doing well. And, uh, I, you know, the only news I get about anybody in the media is from Mediaite. Because <laughs> I don't watch these other shows. So that's good if, to hear. If it wasn't for your website, I wouldn't know anything about all these lunatics in our, in our profession, right? Well, we're, we're going to get into to all the lunatics into the profession more broadly. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're agreeing with me. They are lunatics. Okay. I, I can neither confirm nor deny the lunacy of the various cable news hosts. but uh, <laughs> I can yeah. confirm it for you. I'll, sure. I'll raise my hand. Go ahead. Fox is, is ringing in its 25th anniversary this week, and you've been there from the very start. Forgive me for the broad opening question, but how would you describe the last 25 years of your life and career? You know, the first, uh, honestly, a blur. Hmm. I mean, it's gone by so quickly. Um, it, when I, it, Actually, this coming anniversary is, has caused me to really pause and realize that because, look, this is a hard, tough business. Now, is it as hard as what I used to do for a living? Construction and working in restaurants. No, but it's a different kind of heart. It is a never ending grind. Um, I'm on the air live four hours a day and I'm, I'm like a Marine all, all week. I work out, I eat at a specific time. I research at a specific time. I write at a specific time. And I mean, all week long, that's my life. I finish TV at 10 o'clock. I eat and then I go right back to reading and studying again. And, and that's what I do five days a week. In other words, I'm a complete and total loser, recluse and hermit, you know, I'm like hiding out in my house, but so there's, there's a grind aspect, but it did, it has caused me to pause. And, and frankly, what comes to mind more than anything else is that I'm, I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. And I, if you would have bet on October 7th, 1996, that I'd still be here 25 years later, it was a bad bet because mm. I was God awful on radio. <laughs> and, you know, a couple of years later, I used to ask Roger, I'd say, well, why, why didn't you fire me? I said, I was, I was awful. I was terrible. And you can look at the tapes. They're out there. They're available. And I think Fox was even playing them just, you know, just as part of their anniversary coverage. And he said, number one, nobody was watching, which was funny. And number two, he goes, I knew you would get it because you were a broadcaster. I, my, my background, my first love was always radio. 
Yeah. So it, it for me is uh, I, I just have a great appreciation because this has given me a life um, where I'm allowed to follow my passion. My passion are current events. My passion is politics. My passion is the world and what's going on. And if I wasn't getting paid for it and if I wasn't doing it four hours a day, I'd be doing it anyway. And so when you, when you find that perfect sweet spot in life, and I spent decades of my life doing real hard work, when you find that sweet spot where you really love what you do and get to do it every day in an environment where you can be yourself, which I have both on radio and TV, um, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm humbled by it, actually. And, and as I noted in the intro, you're the longest running host on cable news. You're on air a staggering quantity of hours a day. You do four hours of radio and then an hour of cable news at night on Fox. Is that something that you plan mm -hmm. on doing for the rest of your life? You know, I will do it as long. I don't, I don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. I never had a plan 25 years ago that I'd be doing this interview. When opportunities come, my MO has been, I look down and I'm like, all right, that's a scary jump, but I'll do it anyway. And I don't know if there's ever been a book written. I think there has been feel the fear and do it anyway. And every step of the way, it was, it was a leap for me. And I stretched and it was intimidating when I first started at Fox, not really, you know, I'd done a lot of TV. I had done daytime programs like Donahue and Geraldo and Sally, Jesse Raphael. And even back in the day uh, when I was a local radio host in Atlanta, I used to do CNN and uh, they, they had a daytime program talk live that I used to do quite often. And but it was never my comfort medium. Now, you know, now I don't really think twice about getting on air. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it, the whole package to me is I'm just very, very humbled by it, grateful for it, appreciative of the the opportunities that I've had and that I have. And as long, how long am I going to do it? As long as I can. I have. I don't think about retirement. I mean. Do I need, I don't need to work, but that's not why I do it. I love this country. I'm worried about the direction of the country. Um, I'm worried about the information crisis that exists in the country. And I would say it that way. And I feel like at least being a different voice gives people an option and an opportunity to hear a different voice. And, and I don't see that on a lot of other places. I don't spend a lot of time watching other shows. A few times I do. I'm, I'm not particularly impressed. I, I said in 2007, Aiden, that journalism is dead. I stand by that statement today. It's even more dead than I thought. And so just having an opportunity to get a different point of view out is uh, I'm grateful for that. Now, Fox News obviously has been the top rated network on cable news for like 20 years, which is a staggering run. And in the aftermath of Trump's loss in the 2020 election, CNN surged ahead of Fox for a brief period of time. Now Fox is comfortably back on top. Did that brief period when CNN was ahead of Fox, which was around January, did that worry you at the time? Not at all. As a matter of fact, I could tell you that I told everybody in January of 2020 what would happen because there's, it's a, there's a cycle to it. And if you look, for example, when Mitt Romney lost uh, in 2012, 
I mean, it was like six, seven, eight months. You know, there, there was attrition, audience attrition. And people, you know, they get interested in other things. They get a little tired, burnt out from politics because election years usually become pretty intense and people get very emotionally involved in it. Yeah. But there's a pattern to viewing patterns. I, I tend to always do better in election years because I'm more heavily leaning towards politics. Uh, and, and for one reason only, that's where my passion is. And although, you know, we do every, I kind of describe my show as um, I'm an entire newspaper. We do straight news. We do investigative reporting. We do opinion. We do sports. We do culture. I'm a member of the press and I'm a talk show host. And I don't hide the fact that I'm a, I'm a registered conservative. I'm not a Republican. You know, there's still some misconceptions out there. There have been there have been times I am brutal to the Republican Party when they deserve it. I will be in the future. I think another factor that people pointed to, aside from the sort of natural dip in Fox's ratings right after an election, uh, like after Mitt Romney, is that Newsmax and these other networks were taking a bite out of Fox's ratings. And at the same time, you had Donald Trump, who's telling viewers to ditch Fox News in favor of other networks. Do you see that as having been a factor? Like, what's your take on that whole story that happened there? You know, I, I really didn't get too involved in it. Um, I, I don't live and die by ratings. What I live and die by is the philosophy that if you build it, it people will come. And what I focus on is the product every day, Aiden. Mm-hmm. And if there's any secret to any success that I've had in my career is that I work my ass off. And I don't stop. You know, the schedule I described for you that I have all week long. I mean, to be honest, this interview takes me out of my schedule. So I had to adjust for it earlier today and and get up earlier and do more work. So I'd have time to talk to you today, which I'm glad to do. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. So my focus is on delivering to my audience news, information, that they're likely not going to get from what I call the media mob or the, you know, the Twitter blue check media cult out there. You know, I'll retweet your article. If you retweet my article, it kind of mm-hmm. cracks me up. And I just, if, when I focus on that, that is where I know that I will succeed. And I focus, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we've done over the years, things that other people have not done. You know, for example, I tell you, I'm a member of the press. I'm a talk show host. Um, I do. I can produce thousands of hours of straight news coverage on radio and TV. No opinion whatsoever. I can produce thousands of hours of investigative reporting. Uh, One example would be my show led the way and was right about this phony Russia, you know, collusion hoax with Donald Trump. It was three years of the media just outright lying the American people. There's been no retraction, no, no correction on their part. If anything, they just double down on the lie or they move on to the next lie. Mm-hmm. And, and that frustrates me, but we were vindicated in the Horowitz report. I think vindicated more recently with the Sussman indictment. I think we'll be further vindicated with the Durham report or, and or indictments that come along with it. You know, nobody dared to vet Obama in 2007 and eight, I did, you know, what is the community organizer? What's ACORN? What's black liberation theology? Who is Reverend Wright? Who's Bernadine Dorn? Who's Bill Ayers? 
who's Frank Marshall Davis. You know, we, we, we did a thorough deep dive into, into Barack Obama. The rest of the media did not. I think what happened in 2020, I call it the media protection program. Joe Biden was able to hide in his basement bunker and barely ever, you know, pop his head up. And it's clear that, you know, the Joe Biden that left office in 2016 is very different from the Joe Biden we see in 2021. And, and I'm just, I, I seem to be one of the few people that are just willing to state the obvious. And that well, is, let, let's talk weak. about the, uh, the, the current administration. Sure. And I want to talk to you about the response to COVID. And it's obviously still a mm-hmm. top story. Some people might not know this, but you promoted masking and other safety measures like social distancing early on in the pandemic. And we've now, thank God, moved to a phase in the pandemic where it can be kept under control with the help of vaccines. There's still a lot of misinformation surrounding the life-saving vaccines. Does that trouble you at all when you see vaccine misinformation? Well, it troubles me that all these people on TV and in Washington play doctor and they're not medical doctors. I like what, what medical school did they go to now? You know, I say the same thing. I say it often. And in fairness to other people, I gave Dr. Fauci a lot of leeway over the course of this pandemic. I don't give him any leeway anymore because he's been way, he's been wrong so often. And every model, every projection, mixed messaging on, First, it's no, masks aren't going to work, he said in March of 2020. Okay, I, I, I give him a pass on that because nobody really knew that. We didn't understand it as the way we do today. But one size fits all medicine from people that never went to a medical school is concerning to me. Mm. Aiden, I've, I've lost friends from this, this virus. Mm. I've seen the worst of this virus. I have friends that work in hospitals you know, at the middle, in the middle of the worst moments in New York, I'm getting calls from friends of mine that work in hospitals that say, you have no idea what's going on here. Mm-hmm. We've got people literally lined up in the halls. It is a mess. And so, again, as time has gone on, we've learned a lot more. Um, there are three vaccines. And my, I am I'm very, very serious on how I treat my coverage of it, and I speak only for myself, I tell everybody, please take this thing seriously. Mm. Please do your own research. And by research, Aiden, you're smart enough to understand, unlike some late night TV hosts and Humpty Dumpty, that I'm not talking about putting on a lab coat and starting your own virology lab and, and looking into the genomes and the, the gene sequences of COVID-19, because there's a lot of research out there. You know, learn about the differences between the mRNA vaccine and, for example, Johnson & Johnson. There are differences. Uh, Learn about, I've interviewed the guy that actually was responsible for creating the mRNA vaccine technology. One thing that I think is really, really underreported are therapeutics like monoclonal antibodies. So I tell people, take this thing seriously, do your own research. I don't know anything about your medical history. I don't know anything about your current medical condition. Please take it seriously, learn as much as you can. So you can then go to your doctor or doctors and ask smart, informed questions. 
So yeah, I think it's it's a good stance, obviously, to have that you know cable news hosts should not be giving out medical uh, suggestions to anyone to to their viewers. But there has been a lot of vaccine misinformation from Fox News, particularly hosts like Tucker Carlson. Is that something that you are aware of that bothers you at all? Listen, if you have questions for Tucker, ask Tucker. Mm -hmm. I think I think raising questions is fair if we're going to say follow the science. I have no problem with with people raising questions about it. You know, I, I mean, my but if the questions are like the day, if they're asking whether the vaccine, you know, one of his questions that was infamous was, does the vaccine even work? Which we know is not. Listen, if you want to you do, do your 25th anniversary with any other host, and let that, I, let, I don't speak for other hosts, but I, but I speak for myself. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is, is I, I don't, I like people asking questions, smart questions, informed questions, intelligent questions, and even controversial questions. I don't have a problem with that um, at all. So I'm not sure specifically what you're talking about, and I'd want to hear his side before I comment on it. Um, but I can can tell you what how I view this, and I'm I feel very strongly that you know people. I've learned one thing about the audience over the years because I've I've been on book tours, I've done speeches, I've you know I've, I can't even tell you how many people I meet. My audience is smart, they are intelligent, they're informed, and to To tell them to take it seriously, research, look at, at your unique medical history, condition, talk to your doctor, doctors, and then make the right decision for you and your family is important. Now, are there rare conditions? And, and this is where I think, you know, one size fits all medicine is a little scary to me. You know, everybody must get the vaccine. Okay, I interviewed a 19-year-old girl, and according to her doctor, and her story to me was, um, she has a rare medical condition where she, for whatever reason she can't get a vaccine she wanted to go to byu in hawaii and it was not a byu issue it was a hawaii issue that prevented her from going to her dream school um there are those rare conditions and i've asked many doctors about them they're rare um those you know we we have other issues that have come up as well breakthrough cases i don't think there's been nearly the the proper amount of discussion about, for example, monoclonal antibodies, right? Mm. Or, you know, if, if you even mentioned HCQ um, back in the day, you know, start with the, the Henry Ford study, and there's been numerous studies taken early. It can not say necessarily save your life, but mitigate some of the symptoms. There's been a lot of studies that now prove, in fact, that's true. Um, but, you, you know, again, now we're back to the point of, oh, OK, we're going to even politicize something like a virus. This should be apolitical. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll give you two quick examples. I don't know anything about the politics of the people that Joe Biden abandoned in Afghanistan, our fellow Americans. I don't know anything about their politics. And if every one of those people trapped behind enemy lines comes back and fights to get me fired, I want them home. I don't care if everybody that, if if you get COVID-19, I want you to live. I'm I'm pro-life, Aiden. Even if your life is going to, you know, the remaining portion of your life, however long God allows you to live, you're going to fight to get me fired 
I'm glad you're back in America in a country where you can criticize Sean Hannity. I like that. I like that idea in a country. So I take health really seriously and I take the advice that I give to my audience seriously, especially, you know, some mistakes were made, as we all know, by some. And I just think that it's better. I think it's very, very important that people take be very smart about this. And I'm not sure if I really trust, you know, people that didn't go to medical school. I trust doctors. I trust scientists. I, I not only believe in science and medicine, and I believe in the science of vaccinations, obviously. You know, I, in my spare time, I've been in operating rooms and watched, you know, brain surgeries take place. That's how fascinated I am with science. I interviewed, I did a special for Fox Nation about Dr. Rodriguez, guy's name is Dr. Rodriguez, and he is at NYU Langone, and he did the first successful face and double hand transplant, and I met the patient. I met another patient that was a firefighter that had 80% of his body burned off, including his face. They gave him a face transplant and transformed this man's life. I'm fascinated and in love with science. Um, and when people just go for a cheap shot, uh, oh, you know, Fox or Hannity is anti this or anti, they, they don't know, not listening to what I'm saying. Because mm. if they were listening to what I'm saying, it's, I think I'm giving very, very serious, I'm taking it seriously, sound advice. But I'm also saying that I'm not a doctor, nor am I qualified to be your doctor. I don't know anything about you. Now, oh, there, there has been a contentious debate in recent weeks about vaccine mandates put forth by the Biden right. administration. And he's pointed to Fox News and he said Fox News has its own vaccine requirement. Do you see that mm -hmm. as conflict there between criticizing <laughs> Biden's vaccine mandates and, and Is this still having whole interview going to be about Fox and COVID or I'm just teasing you. Um, all right. What was the question again? The question is, do you see a conflict between Fox's own vaccine requirements and the Biden vaccine mandates and criticizing one and having no issue with the other? You know, as somebody, I mean, one of the fundamental things in life that makes America special and unique, like I'm looking at a quote from over the weekend, and I know other people have made similar quotes, you know, Dr. Fauci declaring I think it was on the blaze today, and I, I haven't vetted it yet, but it says should give up individual freedom for the greater good of society. Mm. And I don't believe in giving up freedom. That to me is, you know, as, as a conservative, Aiden, I can tell you in one minute what I believe in and what I believe 33 years on radio and 25 on TV. I believe in liberty. I believe in freedom. I believe in capitalism. I believe in our Constitution. I want limited government, lower taxes, less bureaucracy. I want, I want law and order so every American can be safe and secure. Um, I want free market solutions to health care. I want constitutionalists on the bench. I want school choice. I want secure borders, legal immigration. I want energy independence. So we don't have to worry like Joe Biden now abandon the energy independence that Donald Trump handed him. Now he's begging OPEC to produce more oil. It's insane to me. I don't want to have to worry about what's happening in the Straits of Hormuz and the Iranians, which, you know, if we're dependent on foreign oil, now we have to worry about 
you know, the free flow of oil at market prices. We, if we're energy independent, we don't. I want free and fair trade, and I want peace through strength. That pretty much sums up my message. I can do it in less than a minute. And as a conservative, that's what I believe. And for the people that will fight for those principles and implement those policies, I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you say you're a Republican, then fight for those things. If you say you're a Democrat and you still believe in them, fine, I can support you. Um, Donald Trump, and, and I put a lot of my conservative credentials on the line in 2015 and 16, because I'd known him for so many years and had spent enough time having real face-to-face conversations with him about very, very specific issues that matter to me, everything I, I just listed. And looked him in the eye and I said, you know, you really believe this, including, for example, that, well, why did you, and I would ask him a question, well, why did you donate to Hillary Clinton? He goes, because I wanted, I donated everybody so I can get my buildings up. Mm. He goes, it's a horrible system. You know, you play the game and you get, you get to keep your workers working. I remember that like it was yesterday. Are you still talking um, to, to Trump? I never disclose who I do mm. or do not talk to. You know, I was um, reading I've interviewed- your, an interview with you recently, and uh, you said that all, in all the obsessive reporting about your relationship with Trump, no one has actually gotten it right. Um, and I'm Nobody curious, you, I'm probably, you probably won't answer this, but I'm curious what, how you would describe the relationship with the former president. Set the record straight for us. <laughs> you know, I almost want to give you the answer because <laughs> we've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna retreat okay. uh, to my my standard. I, I will tell you, it's. I, I just think, for example, you have sources. Mm-hmm. Everybody that reads Mediaite has their own sources, and I just, am, I'm, I'm a member of the press. I, I protect my sources. I believe in that strongly. And whether or not I do or do not, once I start confirming, I talk to this person or that person or this person or that person, then, you know, nobody would trust me at that point. Um, I can say that I'd have been, I'd have developed a very good friendship relationship with the president before he ever ran. And before he ran, um, because I said this all publicly at the time, and I, and I got the crap beat out of me. You want me to give you the long list of, quote, conservatives that were trashing me at the time um, when I said that he would govern conservatively, even on even on issues of you know, for evangelicals or the pro-life movement, et cetera, et cetera. And I was right on all of them. And yeah, there were a lot of people that didn't believe me. But I but I knew I knew it was true. And my 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 job is to be honest with my audience about what I know to be true and not true. And it turned out that I think his policies have been tremendously successful and we can see the distinction. We now can compare and contrast Biden's disaster in Afghanistan, Biden's disaster at the border, the 300% increase in COVID cases this Labor Day compared to the lead up to the election in 2020. Um, and he was given three vaccines and he didn't mention uh, monoclonal antibodies until two weeks ago. Why not? Why? And it, because Ron DeSantis discovered it was successful in Florida as a result of breakthrough cases. He needed an alternative to just telling everybody to get the vaccine. Um, 
it's you know look at the border look at look at we've given up energy independence look at inflation you know look at the intramural squabbling among the democrats it's like a civil war that they're in the middle of right now look at the amount of spending and debt and the debt that they want to put on our kids and grandkids to a certain extent it was inevitable with dealing with the worst pandemic since 1917 mm. that we spend a lot of money you know we should be more fiscally conservative mm. and so the fact that I think the Democratic Party has been totally, completely co-opted by, you know, the Bernie Biden manifesto and the squad. And, you know, this is a very different Democratic Party than that of, say, Joe Lieberman. When they kicked Joe Lieberman out of the Democratic Party, that was like the canary in the coal mine. That was that was a preview of coming attractions. And Joe, by the way, Joe Lieberman happens to be a very good friend of mine. I like now, him a lot. A lot of the sort of. Wall Street Journal opinion pages and National Review Republicans that were in favor of, of Trump's uh, enacting conservative policies, a lot of them took issue with his behavior after the election and the January 6th riot at the Capitol. I'm curious because you you spoke out about that that day uh, in uh, Immediately. The, the night of, yeah. W what did you think when you were watching that happen? Uh, this can't happen in our country. You know, I, you know, I can produce a ton of tape. I used to say it all the time. You know, I had political disagreements with Barack Obama. I didn't think he was a particularly good president. But we've got to protect our president. We've got to protect our elected officials. We've got to protect our institutions. You know, you, you can't allow a bunch of, you know, rioters or anarchists or people from, I don't care, left, right, center. I don't care where they're coming from. You don't you don't get to you know create riots. Where I have criticism though is here, is in the summer of 2020, the Democratic Party not only like never talked about it, they actually outright and the media too. You know, one of my favorite shots are like um, fake news CNN or MSDNC. It's mostly peaceful protesting, but over the shoulder of the reporter. Is, it looks like a city is burning to the ground. I'm like, really? Is that, is that you, you, our eyes betray us at that level? Um, we had 500 and I think the numbers around 534 officially declared riots in 2020. You know, thousands of police officers were injured, many severely, pelted with bricks and rocks and bottles and Molotov cocktails. And we lost dozens of people lost their life. You know, a, a Chaz, a, a Chop, whatever you call it, autonomous, summer of love, spaghetti potluck dinner zone. We're letting police precincts being burned to the ground. We have a vice presidential candidate, you know, promoting a bail fund to get the rioters out of jails, I guess, so they can join the party again, if that's what you want to call it, or join the rioting again. Um, I did one of the hardest interviews I did regarding this topic was Horace Lorenzo Anderson Sr. And he lost his son, Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. And when his son got shot in that autonomous zone and the, the, the mayor that talked about the summer of love zone, you know, didn't even call this man. Mm. He lost his son. You remember those video of the police and, and first responders, please, were just trying to offer medical care. They couldn't even get in to help this, this young man. And 
it's tragic. You know, it, to me, this 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 is the type of thing that drives me up. Well, where, where's that commission, Aiden? Mm-hmm. We need a commission. What happened? I'm all for, you know, now, listen, the commission they have for January 6th, it's already a predetermined outcome. When you put Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger on and Jim Jordan and Jim Banks off, they already, they came up, this is a, this is not an, this is a pre-written, you know, statement of people that hate Donald Trump. But where is the commission to investigate all the riots that took place? How come Joe Biden never got out there and said, this needs to stop? You know, there's certainly legitimate um, protesting that could go on, right? Yeah. And the legitimate protesting is, if you remember the first night of what happened with George Floyd, go watch my show. And I came at that from from the standpoint of now nine years into mixed martial arts. Most vulnerable part of the human anatomy, Aiden, is the neck. Mm. I, you know, the guy was handcuffed for crying out loud, Yeah. you know, and, and look at the autopsy results, his face, you know, it was, his face was pushed so hard into the asphalt, all the abrasions in his face, please, sir. He's asking, he's saying the words, please, sir, I can't breathe. Mm. He was in handcuffs, you know, that, that drove me crazy because that's preventable. People being outraged over that, I'm raising my hand. That can't yeah. happen in our country. Now, no, you're, I you're, love your show is is very pro police. Uh, I'm wondering if when yes, you see the, the sort of the criticism that a lot of the capital the U.S. Capitol Police got from some on the right, did that bother you at all? Seeing that them sort of get dismissed as uh, you know exaggerating what happened that day or or their injuries or the violence that they saw. Well, you know, listen, the, the worst part of this is if you go back to January 5th, mm-hmm. they knew that there was going to be a march on the Capitol. The National Guard, I mean, if, if they really cared about getting answers and Liz Cheney, you know, if you didn't have the I hate Donald Trump 24 hours a day, seven days a week caucus running this commission, if they really want to get to the bottom of it, why there were six separate requests. And the interview, I think, that really needs to be had is with the Capitol uh, police chief that ended up resigning over all of this. And he made six separate requests before, during the actual rioting for the National Guard to be called up. At some point it was, but it was way too late. But they knew that there was a massive crowd. They knew that that massive crowd was going to march up to the Capitol. Nobody in the media seems to ever want to mention the words of Donald Trump, the actual words of what he said. Many of you will now peacefully and patriotically march to the Capitol to make your voices heard. He didn't say to invade the Capitol. Um, But to me, it was horrific planning on their part, and it can happen. These are our institutions, and I don't care, every, every Democrat, socialist, every conservative, every Republican, we've got to protect the elected officials. That's just standard to me. And, and, but also, you know, if you have 534 riots, we need to get to the bottom of how did we allow that to happen? Who are the people involved in those riots? We have videotapes 
cascading of people involved in looting, arson, you know, hurling bricks and Molotov cocktails at cops. And we have certain states that have come out with a broad blanket amnesty and said that they're not going to prosecute any of the people responsible for that. Well, that would, to me, I would interpret that to be an incentive for people to do more of that in the future because there's no consequences for their actions. So I think, you know, this is where I think the double standard comes in. Oh, if it's a, if it's something that we can, we can, we can use this as the next moment to hate Donald Trump. Fine. We'll go full bore. But what happened in these cities, you know, Aiden, if you want to pursue happiness in America, right? We, we believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and that we're not endowed, as Joe Biden says, by the thing, you know, oh, the thing. We're endowed by our creator, right? That, this talks about natural rights. This is why I'm a conservative. Hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal, endowed by their creator, certain inalienable life, or rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. If you don't have law and order, that means people are not safe and secure. If they're not safe and secure, they can't pursue happiness. And one of one of as a conservative, I believe that every human being was created by the same God. And that is that that is my belief. It's in my heart and soul. And that the word education means to bring forth from within from the Latin. And that everybody's born with God-given talent. And then, unfortunately, we don't keep kids safe and secure. And then we put them in educational systems that are just failing miserably. Um, then we have failed them as a society. But we have failed on a mass scale on those two very specific issues. So, you know, um, it's a roundabout way of saying that rioting in any form, in any city, in any place, ought to be intolerable. A poor education ought to be intolerable. No law and order. I mean, yeah, are there bad apples? Absolutely. There are bad apples in in the broadcasting industry too, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there are bad apples in law enforcement, I I believe that 99%, everybody that I know in my life that ever became a cop or a teacher or a nurse or an EMT, a firefighter, these these are callings that they have in their life. They, they've most people have wanted to do that since they were little, you know, or somebody that serves in the military. You know, I never really knew what I wanted to do in life until I first got behind a radio microphone. The light went on, and that was it. It changed my life. That that very second is I hate to mention thirty three years ago. I'm getting old. The reason that they were there that day on January 6th was because they thought the election was stolen. We now know through all of these court, these election challenges that it was not stolen. Trump's still claiming that it was and has now convinced a majority of Republicans that it was. Isn't that a problem? No, I, I only speak for myself. I don't speak for other people. I, here's my biggest problem with the 2020 election. And these are real problems. Is that most states, Aiden, have laws that say that partisan observers get to watch the vote count start to finish. Now, we have the worst pandemic since 1917 and 18, right? Yeah. And for me, 
they, they never made the accommodations that were necessary to uphold the law. And if, and they should have made that accommodation. Every but that doesn't have, make for a stolen election. Well, 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 hang on a second. We have laws for a reason. Our Constitution is the foundation of all of our laws. We don't get to pick and choose like Joe Biden. No, I'm not going to enforce the, the, the laws at the border because I don't like those laws, right? If Sean Hannity decides that I'm going to pick and choose what laws I decide to abide by, that's not going to end up very well for me, right? I pay my taxes. I don't speed. You know, I'm trying not to. I'm getting a lot better at it as I get older. Uh, so you don't get to pick and choose. My problem is, is when you don't follow the law and it is as widespread. In some cases, people weren't even allowed in to observe, but they were designated to observe. In other cases, they were observing from 100 feet away where you can't see a thing. Or they were observing from 20 feet away where you can't see a thing. And even if you took the socially distant six feet, which that didn't happen pretty much anywhere. Now, these, these laws are put in place for a reason. And it's to instill, it's to ensure integrity in the system and confidence in the results. And way too many states did not follow the simple, basic, fundamental laws of their state as it relates to election. Then you can add a couple of other things to it. The Constitution in Pennsylvania is very clear about uh, voting absentee or, or, or uh, uh, by mail. You know, you go from 2016, where they had a very significantly low number of mail-in absentee ballots, et cetera, but it's written into the state constitution. In the interim between, I believe, 2016 and 2020 is when they made the, the rule of change. They changed the law, but the process is if they really wanted to change the system of voting in Pennsylvania, they needed to change the constitution. You know, in other words... Now we're ignoring not only laws, now we're ignoring the Constitution. What does that do? That undermines integrity in the system, and it undermines people's confidence in the results. If you look at the 4-3 decision in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and the dissent was written by the Chief Justice, it was a brutal dissent. And, and this had to do very much with the same issue as Pennsylvania, and that is about voting, et cetera, um, uh, voting by mail, et cetera. Now, a lot of people would say that they're incapacitated. They, they can't vote by mail. Anyway, some of those stories that had come out where people had outdoor voting by mail registration sessions, which is the opposite of what they're actually claiming is that for whatever reason they needed to vote from home, that they were homebound for et cetera. But the chief justice, and I don't remember the exact words, so I'll paraphrase it. If we don't, if the four other justices, there are seven justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And again, the chief justice writing the dissent, it was a three, four decision, it was a loss, but it was powerful. If we don't, if the other four justices on this court keep allowing this to happen, meaning irregularities, in other words, not following the law. And this is going to happen again and again and again. Look, we have a problem in 2000 in Florida, right? 
with the swinging, pimpled, dimpled, hanging, hanging chads. Yeah, right. I mean, I spent a lot of time covering that. <laughs> and I, I'll be honest, I didn't particularly even love the Supreme Court decision. And over time, I, I love it less. Mm. Can you really say for a fact that I think the number was 500 and what, 37? You, can we really say for a fact that 537, that that's an accurate count in Florida that year, in 2000? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Okay. So it undermined people's confidence in the results. Democrats claimed it was an illegitimate election. Mm-hmm. If you look at the Stacey, Stacey Abrams to this day in Georgia, still never conceded to Governor Kemp. And what did Florida do? Remember, there was a commission, James Baker was on it, Democrats were on it, and they came up, and by the way, one of the conclusions was is that voting by mail was, was, would lend itself to more fraud than would be desirable. Even the New York Times in the past has said as much. So what did they do? They fixed the system and they, made, they, they created measures that guaranteed more integrity in the system and more confidence in the results. I think, and I've been arguing on air, that there are five specific things we need to do. One, voter ID should be mandatory. By the way, there's voter ID in in Delaware. Two, signature verification. Three, chain of custody control. Four, updated voter rolls every, every election. And five, partisan observers should be able to observe up close the vote count from start to finish. That would, that would, that would increase integrity in the system. You know, it's amazing to me what really, you know, I see the Biden Department of Justice, they went after the Georgia law. In Georgia, they have, I think it's 17 days of in-person early voting, actually added more days. There's no, in Joe's state of Delaware, in the 700,000 years he's been representing Delaware, he never once made voting more accessible in Delaware. But he allows his own attorney general to go after Georgia. Georgia has 17 days of early in-person voting. We don't have any in Delaware. Both states have voter ID requirements. Um, and, and the, for example, drop boxes still exist in Georgia. There are no drop boxes in Delaware. So why wouldn't the attorney general, if he wasn't politicized, go after Delaware and their more restrictive voting laws than the more accessible voting laws of Georgia. Now, that's where Sean Hannity and the Hannity show is different than other shows. So, you know, that, that's my take on it. You, you and, say you don't, you don't watch the, uh, the other networks at all. Is there anyone you respect on CNN or MSNBC? Um, you know, I really don't know that many people. <laughs> I just, I really don't have any comments. You know, I've kind of been proud of the fact, I mean, I've been to the media party just because I have friends there, okay? Sure. And never been to a white Fondant's dinner in all the time I've been on the air. Not one, and guess what? I never will go. And my, I usually kid around on radio and say, they don't like me and I don't like them. And I'm just honest about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Interview. Please subscribe to the interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and check out coverage of my conversation with Sean Hannity on Mediate.com.